Chapter 53 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1, by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Norway participates in the Crusades, Oysten Magnusson and Sigurd the Crusader. King Magnus Barefoot had many sons, but none of them was born in lawful wedlock. Oystein, the oldest, who was fourteen years of age, Sigurd, the next oldest, and Olaf succeeded their father as joint kings. The herd and lendermand were divided among the kings, perhaps also the royal estates. But Olaf was a mere child under the guardianship of his brothers, and as he died before he became of age, he may be left out of account. Harold Gila, who was still a child staying with his Irish mother in Ireland, is also generally acknowledged to have been a son of King Magnus, though his own assertion is about the only evidence of his royal descent. His mother called him Gilchrist, i.e. the servant of Christ. A later pretender, Sigurd Slembediakon, also claimed to be a son of Magnus, but he was generally regarded as an impostor and was finally captured and put to death. The principle prevailed that all the king's sons, illegitimate as well as legitimate, had an equal right to the throne. Kingship was regarded as an inherited right. The kingdom was looked upon as an inheritance which could be held in joint ownership or divided among the heirs. The practice of joint kingship, established in the time of Magnus the Good and Harald Hardrada, was adhered to. The kings kept their own herd and shared equally in the royal revenues, but the kingdom was not divided. The reign of the joint kings was regarded as lasting while any of them remained on the throne. With the death of Magnus Barefoot and the accession of his young sons, a period of peace was again inaugurated which lasted till the outbreak of the civil wars in 1130. During this period, the Archbishopric of Lund in Skåne was established, as already stated. Norway and Sweden, as well as Denmark, were included in this new church province, and the Scandinavian north was thereby separated from Germany with regard to ecclesiastical affairs. The intense religious enthusiasm which had been awakened through the efforts of the Pope, and especially by the Crusaders, and the zeal of the monastic orders had also reached the north, and the two kings, who were deeply influenced by the general spirit of the age, gave their most zealous efforts to the causes and ideals which had been created by the new awakening. The more warlike Sigurd became a crusader, while the peace-loving Oystein, who ruled the kingdom during his brother's absence, revived the policy of his grandfather Olaf Kyrre. He built churches and monasteries, improved the laws, maintained peace and order in the kingdom, and devoted special attention to useful internal improvements. In 1095, Pope Urban II preached at Clermont in France the first holy war against the infidels. The religious fervor was soon fanned into white heat by zealots like Peter the Hermit and Walter the Penniless, and large numbers of pilgrims gathered on the Rhine in northern France to march against the Turks. The sovereigns of Western Europe took no part in the First Crusade. Two of them, the Emperor Henry IV and King Philip I of France, were under the ban of the Church. The King of Spain was fighting against the Saracens at home, and the vicious William Rufus of England was hostile. The crusading hosts were, therefore, led by the great feudal magnates of Lotharingia, Burgundy, Normandy, Flanders, and the Norman colonies in southern Italy, men like Raymond of Toulouse, Hugh of Vermandois, a brother of King Philip I of France, Robert, Duke of Normandy, his cousin Robert II of Flanders, Stephen of Blois, the son-in-law of William the Conqueror, Godfrey of Bouillon, 
and the Italian Norman, Bohemond of Turenne, a son of Robert Guiscard. The armies marched overland to Constantinople, where Emperor Alexius Comnenus had them transported across the Bosphorus into Asia Minor, after the leaders had taken an oath of fealty to him. Nicaea was captured in 1097, Antioch fell into their hands in 1098, and on June 15, 1099, Jerusalem was stormed by the sick and starving crusaders. Jerusalem was organized into a kingdom, and Godfrey of Bouillon became ruler, with the title of Baron and Advocate of the Holy Sepulchre. Bohemond the Norman became the Prince of Antioch, and Baldwin, brother of Godfrey, became Count of Edessa. Warriors from the Scandinavian kingdoms also participated in the First Crusade, but as they joined the main army in smaller bands, little is known of their fate or achievements. In 1097, a Danish noble, Sven by name, a member of the royal family, led a band of crusaders to Palestine. They took part in the capture of Edessa and marched to join in the siege of Antioch, but on the way they were betrayed into the power of the Mohammedans, who cut them down to the last man. In 1102, the Norwegian lendermand, Skofta Ogmundsson, who had quarreled with King Magnus Barefoot, organized a crusading expedition to the Holy Land. Accompanied by his sons Finn, Agmund, and Thor, he sailed southward with five ships to Flanders, where he wintered. The next summer, 1103, they sailed for Italy, but Skofta died in Rome. His sons also found their graves on Italian soil. Thor died in Sicily, says the saga, but whether this happened before they reached Palestine or on the homeward journey is not stated though the saga narrative seems to show that the expedition reached the Holy Land. When the sons of Magnus became kings, some men who had followed Skoft Agmundsson came from Jorsalaland, Jerusalem, and others from Mikkelgard, Constantinople. They were very renowned and brought many new tidings, and these accounts made many desirous of going thither. The news of the Crusades, which by this time had reached Norway through many channels, reawakened the old spirit of martial adventure among the Norsemen at home no less than among their kinsmen in Normandy and southern Italy. The transition from Viking expeditions to Crusades, already noticeable in Olaf Tryggvason's career as crusading Christian king, was neither great nor sudden, and it was now finally accomplished through the general change of conditions as well as through the growth of Christian spirit. We cannot doubt that many were eagerly awaiting an opportunity to go to Palestine to fight against the Mohammedans, but we hear nothing of any great religious enthusiasm, as it appears that most of them were actuated less by Christian zeal than by love of war and adventure, and the prospects of gain and renown. They asked of the kings that one of them should be the leader of those who wished to join in this enterprise, says the saga. The kings agreed to this, and both of them together fitted out an expedition in which many leading men took part, both Lendermand and Storbunder. When everything was ready, it was decided that Sigurd should lead the expedition, but Oystein should rule the kingdom in the name of both. This undertaking was regularly planned and prepared crusade against the Turks in Palestine. The preparations lasted four years. A fleet of sixty ships was fully equipped and manned with ten thousand volunteer warriors from all parts of Norway. King Sigurd set sail from Hordaland, possibly from Bergen, in the fall of 1107, and went to England, where he was well received by King Henry I who offered him his friendship and assistance, since he was engaged in so praiseworthy an undertaking. Sigurd spent the winter at the gay English court, and gave many rich presents to various English churches. In the spring, 1108, he continued his voyage, 
but he was much retarded by stormy weather, and did not reach Spain till late in the summer. He therefore decided to spend the winter there, and the governor of Galicia not only gave him permission to establish his winter quarters in that province, but promised also, on certain conditions, to supply him with the necessary provisions throughout the winter. But the governor took this promise rather lightly, and by Christmas time King Sigurd and his men were in want. With sword in hand, they decided to pay the governor a visit in his own castle, but he very discreetly abandoned it in haste, and they provisioned the fleet with the abundant stores which they found. Early in the spring, 1109, as they sailed southward along the west coast of Spain, now Portugal, they met a fleet of Moorish freebooters. The two fleets joined in battle, and after a hard fight in which a great number of Moors fell, King Sigurd captured eight galleys, while the rest succeeded in making their escape. He thereupon landed at Kintra in Portugal, which had been taken by the Moors and aided Count Henry in capturing the city. He offered the Moors garrison their lives if they would accept the Christian faith, but when they refused he had them all put to death in the true fashion of crusaders. From Kintra he marched to Lisbon, which was also in the hands of the Moors. The sagas state that he battered down the walls and took the city, but this seems to be erroneous, since the place is known to have remained in the possession of the Moors after King Sigurd left. The contemporary skald, Halder Skvalder, who seems to have accompanied Sigurd, simply states that King Sigurd won his third victory by the Borg, which is called Lisbon. It seems likely that he won a victory over the Moors outside of the city, but he did not capture the city itself. The sagas state, quite correctly, that Lisbon was the boundary between heathen and Christian Spain. The Moors had seized that part of Portugal which lies south of the river Tejo, while the rest was still in the hands of the Christians. In the so-called heathen Spain, Sigurd captured a castle which is called Alcasa in the sagas, but as this name is only a corruption of Alcazar, a Spanish loanword from Arabic, meaning castle, as shown by Professor P. A. Munch, it is impossible to determine where this fortress was situated. After leaving Spain, he fought another successful engagement with the Moorish freebooters, who at this time controlled the Mediterranean Sea. He then continued his voyage eastward until he reached the island of Formentera, in the Balearic Isles. Here the freebooters had established a stronghold in a cave in the side of a mountain. The steep ascent leading to the entrance of the cave was protected by a breastwork of stone, and the cave itself was divided into two parts, or chambers, of which the innermost seems to have served as a storehouse for the booty which they gathered from all the Mediterranean coasts. Sigurd tried to capture the cave, but his men were unable to ascend the steep incline against the showers of stones and missiles hold upon them by the freebooters, who felt so secure in their inaccessible retreat that they jeered and ridiculed the Norsemen, and showed them costly articles to betoken their contempt. King Sigurd then took two boats, filled them with warriors, and lowered them by ropes from the top of the mountain before the entrance of the cave. The men in the boats shot with arrows and compelled the Moors to abandon the breastwork and retreat into the cave. The assailants were now able to break through the stone wall in front of the entrance and gain accession to the cave. The Moors fled to their inner chamber, but the Norsemen kindled a fire and smoked them out. They were all killed, and all their booty fell into the hands of the Norsemen. After visiting the islands of Iviza, Minorca, and possibly also Majorca, where they also fought with the Moors, they sailed to Sicily and Apulia, where they met their kinsmen, the Normans, who had gained control of those parts of southern Italy. The Normans in Italy still felt themselves akin to the Norsemen, and Duke Roger of Sicily was married to Edla, the widow of King Canute, the saint of Denmark. 
King Sigurd and his army of crusaders were therefore received with the greatest joy and hospitality. There was a splendid reception, and every day Duke Roger himself waited on King Sigurd at the table, says the saga. But on the seventh day of the feast, after the men had taken a bath, King Sigurd took the duke by the hand and led him to the high seat and gave him the title of King of Sicily. Sigurd spent the winter in Sicily and arrived at Ascalon in Palestine in August 1110. Fulker of Chartres gives the following account of his achievements in Palestine. In the meantime there had landed at Yopa, Jaffa, a people called the Norsemen, whom God had stirred up to journey from the western ocean to Jerusalem. Their fleet consisted of sixty ships. Their leader was a young man of exceedingly fine appearance, a brother of the king of that country. As the king, Baldwin, had returned to Jerusalem, he rejoiced exceedingly over their arrival, spoke kindly to them, admonished them, and asked them out of love of God to stay a while in the land to which they had come, and help him to spread Christianity. They could then, after having served the cause of Christ in some way, give thanks to God when they returned to their own country. They assented gladly, and answered that they had come to the Holy Land with no other intention. They promised to follow him with their fleet wherever he would go with his army, if he would provide them with the necessary provisions. This was agreed to and fulfilled. They first decided to go to Ascalon, but later they decided the better plan of attacking and besieging the city of Sidon. The king led his army from Ptolemaida, which is now generally called Akon, while the Norsemen, well-armed, sailed from the harbor of Jaffa. The fleet of the Emmer of Babylonia lay at that time hidden in the harbor of Tyre. The Saracens annoyed the Christians, or pilgrims, on their buccaneering expeditions, and they provisioned by various routes the seacoast towns which were still in the hands of the king of Babylonia. But when they heard about the Norsemen, they did not venture to leave the harbor of Tyre, for they did not dare to fight with them. When the king came to Sidon, he laid siege to the city, while the Norsemen attacked it from the sea. With war machines, they so terrified the inhabitants that the garrison asked the king to be permitted to depart unharmed. He could then, if he wished, keep the people of the city and use them for tilling the soil. This was asked and granted. The garrison retired, but the landsfolk remained in peace according to the agreement. The sun had visited the archer, the constellation, nineteen times when the Sidonians, in the month of December, 19th of December, 1110, surrendered their city. This account, which is in full accord with the sagas, is substantiated also by a number of other sources. Sigurd claimed no reward for aiding in the capture of Sidon, but Baldwin distributed rich presents among his men, and gave him a chip of the Holy Cross, which Sigurd promised under oath to preserve at the shrine of St. Olaf. He also made a vow to introduce the system of tithes in Norway, and to do everything in his power to secure the establishment of an archbishopric in Nidaros. King Sigurd left Palestine shortly after the capture of Sidon, and went to Constantinople, where he was magnificently entertained by Emperor Alexios Komnenos, called Kyriolex in the sagas. Sigurd and his men were escorted through the golden portal, Porta Aurea, through which the emperors alone entered the city when they returned in triumph from successful military campaigns. They were quartered in the Blockernea Palace, and were entertained with games in the Hippodrome at the emperor's expense. When Sigurd left, he gave Alexios all his ships, and many of his men remained in Constantinople, and entered the service of the emperor. Sigurd and his crusaders returned through Bulgaria, Hungary, Austria, and Germany. About midsummer they arrived in Schleswig, where the Danish Jarl Eilif entertained them. 
King Nicholas, Nils, of Denmark, who was married to Sigurd's stepmother, Margareta Fredkula, received him with the greatest hospitality, accompanied him through Jutland, and gave him a fully equipped ship on which he returned to Norway in July 1111. He was received with great rejoicing, and his brother Oystein, who had ruled the kingdom during his three and a half years' absence, cheerfully surrendered to him the share of the kingdom which he had held in trust. It was a common opinion, says the saga, that no one had made a more memorable expedition from Norway. He was called Sigurd Jorsalafarer, Jorsal equals Jerusalem, a name by which he is generally known in history. End of chapter 53